Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include Fannie Mae's fourth quarter income, a wide-ranging interview with Dorloop's David Baton on property tech advancements, and a little bonus discussion on how to get the most out of ChatGPT, and the latest consumer prices. Today's podcast is presented by the Stratmore Group, the data-driven mortgage advisory, At Stratmore, insights and knowledge are applied to guide mortgage clients to make sound strategic decisions and take actions that improve their success. To learn more, visit stratmoregroup.com. This morning, Fannie released its fourth quarter and full 2022 results, which included $12.9 billion of annual net income and $1.4 billion of fourth quarter 2022 net income with net worth reaching $60.3 billion as of December 31st, 2022. Net income decreased $9.3 billion in 2022 compared with 2021, primarily driven by an $11.4 billion shift to provision for credit losses and a $1.6 billion shift to investment losses, partially offset by a $1.1 billion increase in fair value gains. Fannie provided $684 billion in liquidity to the mortgage market in 2022, It acquired approximately 1,151,000 single-family purchase loans, of which more than 45% were for first-time home buyers and 886,000 single-family refinance loans during the year. Approximately 598,000 units of rental housing were financed in 2022, a significant majority of which were affordable to households earning at or below 120% of area median income, providing support for both workforce and affordable housing. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome to the show David Baton, co-founder and CMO of Doorloop, a five-star rated property management software that's raised $30 million in funding. As a five-time entrepreneur, David's been surrounded by real estate his entire life. His parents managed their own properties, he made his first investment at 21, and by 22, he had his realtor's license and was a community manager. Today, he has numerous real estate investments across syndications, funds, REITs, and crowdfunding platforms online. As the previous co-founder and CEO of Practice Panther, David was a Florida Bar Certified CLE instructor who taught thousands of lawyers on 25 ways to automate your business and privacy and security in the 21st century. He's also the best-selling author of The Secrets to Marketing and Automating Your Law Practice, which was the number one bestseller on the Law Office Marketing and Advisory Directory. Welcome, David. I started out in the mortgage industry about 15 years ago and I'd go to these conferences and it would be a bunch of old white guys in suits. And I heard, Oh, don't worry. Don't worry. People are retiring. You know, there'll be a, a, a wave of youthful talent that, that washes over the mortgage industry. And, uh, that hasn't quite materialized. It seems those same people I thought were old 15 years ago are still there and older, <laughs> but we, we are seeing <laughs> some youth come in. However, the, the mortgage industry itself can be archaic in a lot of ways. So I want to talk to you today about uh, tech. And actually, off air, you've already provided me some amazing tech solutions in my own life. I got a, a smart doorknob that I installed in my house because you you've helped me with some recording awesome. software and, and some sound stuff. So so you're kind of my tech guru. Uh, can you ins- can you discuss the importance of utilizing tech when it comes to things like marketing, brand awareness, and culture? Yeah, of course. So it's actually funny that you say that because I do feel that there. The shift is slowly coming. You know, I have some friends that are in their 30s. You know, I'm 35 right now. 
that are in the mortgage industry and they are trying to be more tech forward, so to speak. I think the issue is that while they're more tech forward, their companies are still archaic. So it's going to take time for things to move forward. During COVID, a lot has progressed, obviously, in all parts of the world. So I think we're, we're going towards there. But the new generation really gravitates towards nice design, a high-tech, easy experience, You know, do-it-yourself mortgage with as little or no involvement from a salesperson. And if you can nail that, you will attract the younger generation. And you know, the car industry is moving towards that. My latest car, I have a Tesla and a Volvo at home, and both of them, I got online without speaking to anyone. So I feel like to disrupt this mortgage industry, you'll need to start going in the direction. And uh, I actually got a alone recently, like two, three weeks ago. So this is all fresh for me. And I went through Rocket Mortgage and the experience was all online, exactly like I was looking for. I want to talk to you about Rocket Mortgage. Uh, you know, their slogan is obviously push button, get mortgage. And and you mentioned when we were doing a prep meeting, you you really enjoyed the experience. What did you like so much about it? And then also you had mentioned that yeah, it's not necessarily perfectly tailored to your your mom who uh had had yep. some documents to upload there too so where do you feel like it could have been better yeah so i mean there are a few companies that i did some research on before this call that are doing a pretty good job with like the high tech modern experience online rocket mortgage is one of them quicken loans uh i don't know if i'm pronouncing this right is it sofi bank so they have a great website, beautiful. They have a great you know, mortgage uh, process, it looks like. Lending Tree also looks very modern. Now, the most tech forward that I saw was knock.com. We won't get into it, but it's a whole different way of, of buying a house. Anyways, you know, the whole idea behind these new companies is that they're marketing and branding themselves as an easy, fun, and seamless process where I was able to upload all my documentation directly from my phone or computer. They gave me an easy checklist. I saw where everything stood. I could even sync with my bank account and pull all the data in as needed. So when it also came time to signing the myriad of 400 documents they need, it was all done with e-signing. I signed once and after I just press accept, 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 it was so, so easy. So that was a really beautiful experience A to Z. Uh, however, my mother was also part of that process. And it wasn't so easy for her because she's not used to that new modern way of doing things. You know, the older generation, they want to be handheld, white glove service, do everything for me. Let me just send you whatever you need and you do it for me. Here's my pen. Here's my papers. So when you are making it more modern and user-friendly, you also have to consider the older generation that isn't used to that and trying to solve for both of those market segments. Yeah, I, I'm a very strong proponent of having different uh, kind of alleyways for origination so that you can you can have an expedited service or you yep. can uh, hold someone's hand a lot more and, and have a lot more customer service. However, I think you kind of became embroiled in, in a common frustration for people getting a mortgage. And that is as technologically advanced as the process can be or, or may have already gotten there's still so many documents you have to upload. There's so many regulations to go through. Yeah. Uh, but uh, fortunately, as as these kinks in the process work themselves out, the cost to originate a mortgage will come down and hopefully some of those costs will be able to be passed back to the consumer in the form of savings or, or lower rates. I want to talk about 
data in general, because I know that's that's right up your alley. How is data helping to make more informed decisions in the property space? Yes, yeah, so, you know, back to what you were saying before, look, it, as nice as the process was, it was still very painful because they requested so much information, so much digging back years to random K1 forms that were like so irrelevant. So, you know, hopefully as data moves forward, especially with AI, which I know we'll get into, it can hopefully propel this industry forward with making the process more seamless, easier, where you don't need to provide every single thing. So as far as data, data is helping the entire industry tremendously. So as far as the property space, Let's just say if a landlord should lease a property for nine months, 12 or 15 months, they don't know, but data will know because data knows when renters are coming to the market. So for example, let's say, you know, your AI tool says, Hey, you know, demand is super high in the summer because families are looking to move into your neighborhood before the school year starts. So whenever you sign a new lease, if you're signing a lease in January, it should only be a five month lease or six month lease or 15 month lease. So the best part about data is that it can learn from past mistakes and success. So for example, you could feed the machine data on everyone that successfully paid off their mortgages, people that paid them off faster, people that were late, people that defaulted. Then it can try to find these signals or patterns in each segment and audience and use that to help you as a lender make more informed decisions and decide who you want to lend to. Let's extrapolate that one step further. I know you're a big proponent of AI for pricing. Can you take us uh, kind of inside your brain there? What what makes AI so good when it comes to pricing? Yeah, so in terms of you know landlords, let's say renting apartments, it can help landlords decide how much rent to charge. And that's by a tool called automated dynamic pricing based on supply and demand. It already exists. So the tool will look at all the available listings, two bedrooms in your area on Zillow, for example, and see the pricing availability supply demand, and it will tell you exactly how much you should be charging. And that's already being used today. In the mortgage industry, however, I imagine they will start, or they probably have already started, using data science and machine learning to analyze the lendee, like we said before, and give them a score and likelihood of defaulting on their loan, right? It's all about risk assessment. So the higher the risk, the higher the rate we should charge them, the higher number of points we need, the more protections we need in place to protect the loan. So I imagine the bigger companies are already doing this behind the scenes. I don't have uh, insight into the behind the curtain, but I'm sure they're already doing this. Let's keep going down the AI path a little bit. What else do you view AI as really beneficial for that companies should look into you you mentioned things to me like content creation or, or replying to emails and those seem kind of like natural fits when it comes to companies building brand or uh lo's trying to respond to uh borrowers yeah you know it's funny because i'm using ai in my work life and in our company a lot right now and it helps us with a number of tasks from content creation and seo code review audio video editing seo so much more so to give you a few examples, you know, even this podcast right now, we record our own podcast and sometimes you're recording a guest doesn't have a professional mic set up like I do. So historically, we would have to pay someone on Upwork a hundred bucks to master the audio, remove the echo reverb, all this stuff. But now there's a tool called Adobe Podcast Enhance and it will edit everything for you using the power of AI and make it sound like you are using the highest quality microphone in a sound treated room with no echo reverb. It is 
mind blowing. I can't wait for you to try it. So that's that's one example. There's another one where you can create AI generated videos. There's a company called Synthesia or Rephrase, and you just type in your script and it will generate videos for you. Or here's another idea for mortgage lenders. You know, if someone contacts you, you can record one video of yourself saying, hey, David, thanks for contacting me for your mortgage. I'm excited to get started and show you around, whatever. So it could take that script, replace the name, David, John, Amy, whoever it is, and make it seem like you said their name. It will actually move your lips and add your voice to that video. So you don't need to recreate it every single time. So we're going to start using that for our emails soon. Uh, you could also do content creation. There's a company called Jasper that, I mean, there's many companies, but they're one of them, big one. And they could just crank out blog posts, press releases, replies, like really whatever you need. And I haven't even touched the needle with what ChatGPT does. I mean, ChatGPT, if you haven't heard of it, definitely go look it up. We use it for so many things from research, SEO, code review, content, outlines, editing, summaries. I mean, it's it's endless what you could do with it. I mean, that could be a whole different podcast, but just go on Google, type in how to use ChatGPT, and you will find so many different use cases. Yeah, before we get off ChatGPT, uh, can you can you kind of give us some tips for the best way to interact with it when it comes to asking questions or getting the desired answers? You want, and I should yes. say thank thank you for the Adobe podcast information because frequent listeners of this podcast know that sometimes they'll, uh, they'll hear it recorded from an airport with a screaming baby in the background. So I'm, <laughs> I'm looking into that as we speak. Yeah, you know the the AI is just so powerful. Like I have, per, I'm pretty good at editing audio, and there's some really good people online. And we've tried editing audio and spending a lot of money, and Adobe AI blows it out of the water. It's it's just unreal how how good AI is getting these days. So. ChatGPT, you need to give it super specific, clear, and detailed instructions as much as possible. You can you could give it 500 words of instructions. The more instructions you give it, they're called prompts, the better. So in our case, we'll say, please write us a 3,250-word blog post on how to start my own podcast and cover these five bullet point topics and write it in a comedic voice to make it sound like it came from Adam Sandler or to make it sound like it came from Joe Rogan, whoever you want. It can write it in, in their tone of voice even. And you will be so surprised what it spits out for you. But it's all about doing prompts. And there are so many plugins that could help you with it. So many YouTube videos out there that could help you with it. So there is so much out there right now. Just really just Google it or look it up on any platform of your choice, YouTube, wherever. And there is a lot of information out there. I'm loving it. Yeah, you can ask it to do just about anything. So you could say, "Oh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to Miami this weekend. What are the best five things to do in the Brickell neighborhood on Saturday around 1 p.m.?" And boom, it'll spin yep. you. Know, whatever, whatever you need. So it's it, the technology is truly amazing, and it's only getting more advanced. And then it looks like Google's now hopping into the game too with releasing their yes. version to the public. And yes. so there, yeah, I would I'd love to have you back at some point. To well, talk about that. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you something funny on that, you know, so my nine year anniversary with my wife came up uh, a few weeks ago and I went to chat GPT <laughs> and I said, please write me an anniversary letter. And it was pretty good. It was not bad. I sent it to her as a joke. She knew clearly that it wasn't for me, but it was really good. He said, I said, mention my three kids, mention their names, mention their ages, how far we've come along. And it was really, really good. That was one use. Another use was, you know, my mother needed a letter from like a reference letter. I wrote that for her. So there's so many cool things it could do. We're going next week to, to North Carolina to go skiing with the family. And I was 
wondering where should I go? I asked ChatGPT, what are the top family-friendly ski resorts near Florida? And it gave me five different options and I chose one of them. So there are so many uses that I'm even using for my personal life, obviously. Fantastic. Let's let's stay on the the tech trends here. And actually, during the Super Bowl, I saw a, I think it was a T-Mobile commercial. No, it was Xfinity saying they have 10G. So I want to ask you a question wow. about 5G, but maybe 5G is obsolete at this point. How how does 5G technology help with property tech? I know there, there's different apps out there that you can get for property management, maintenance, security, and, and more. So the whole idea behind 5G is the speed and accessibility. You can access things, make them connect better together, less dropouts. You know, a big use case is obviously security cameras, stuff like that. You can see whatever you want in real time. So property tech, it's all about connecting everything together. There's a lot of apps for property management, maintenance, security, and the whole idea is connecting all the devices and apps together, which is also referred to as IoT or the Internet of Things. So there's actually an awesome website that I love called If This Then That, I-F-T-T-T. And there's another one called Zapier. And pretty much it lets you connect and play with all these tools and apps together. If This and That is more hardware related. Like if I come home at night, when I pull into the driveway, unlock my door, open my garage, turn the AC on, turn the lights on, for example, and dis disarm the alarm. So you can do all these sort of things with that, like connect your door locks, security cameras, alarms, packages, maintenance, handymen, cleaning, inspections, electricity, water usage, utilities, I mean, everything. So imagine installing a water leak sensor in every unit of your building or just your apartment, whatever you're, you, know, you own if you're a landlord, like a Samsung smart things compatible sensor. And anytime a leak is detected, it automatically shuts the water off using Moen's smart valve shutoff valve. So it sounds crazy and futuristic, but it already exists and people are doing it. I mean, in my own home, I have a sense electricity monitor to track real-time electricity usage. And I can even see which devices are using the most electricity. I also have the flume water monitor so it could track real-time water usage. And anytime we use a lot of water one day, let's say we, you know, I don't know, water the plants or whatever, um, or if there's a leak, it can let me know if there's overusage or leak. So it's just really cool. Um, you know, one company that's already doing this is actually Amazon. Amazon has Amazon Key, it's called, and they can open your garage door if you allow them to with a special garage door opener, obviously. And they can even unlock your front door and leave packages inside for you. And it, it came about because a lot of people were getting their packages stolen. You know, what is it called? Porch pirates. So, and if you haven't seen, uh, you know, uh, what is it called uh, on YouTube? Um, there's a guy who made like glitter bombs. Just search for like glitter bomb porch pirate. It's, it's amazing. So anyways, if a tenant leaves or moves out, you could change the code for a door, turn on the alarm. But really, you can just do so many things at the click of a button or just fully automated with the power of 5G. Yeah, it's funny. Packages used to get stolen off my front doorstep until I gave Amazon access to my garage. Then things started going missing from my garage. Oh, so you have it. No, no. <laughs> well, I'm actually, I, yeah. I'm going through a, a remodel right now. And, and it's tough for me to figure out how futuristic do I want to make this house? Because in my mind, the consideration is almost, well, if you're not at the cutting edge now, where you, what's it going to be like in five years or 10 years yep. or 20 years, you're going to yep. be so far behind but some of it some of it's a little scary i guess the the access that uh you're giving to to these robots i mean uh, they they've proven that they're for good at this point but uh and i'm not trying to sound like my dad who uh shreds terminator his, he shreds his hotel credit card or his hotel cards after use because <laughs> he thinks his credit card info is stored on there but uh 
I'm you're my you're my guy. So I, I'll be back to you to talk more about that as as I progress here. Let's switch this a little bit towards the real estate space when it comes to the robots and automation. What are real estate bots first off and and how can they help with activities like scheduling showings or asking questions? Yes. So real estate bots, there's another word for which the industry calls chatbots and they exist exist today. We have it on our website. We use Intercom, for example. There's also Drift. So these chatbots can communicate with people that land on your website and help them with certain questions. So the bot can ask, for example, how can I help you? And then give them a list of options to choose from, like, I want more info on getting a mortgage, or what are the current rates, or I want a mortgage. And based on what the visitor selects, the chatbot can route them to a real person right away, or send them more information, or send them to a page or article on your website, or just tell them that they'll get back to them and collect their details. So that's what we use it for right now. And it is really powerful. The bots can even schedule showings, literally do anything you can ever imagine as long as you just program it. And it's really easy to program. You don't need any coding language. There is no coding involved. So, you know, in our company at Loop, we use it to help people schedule demo of our software or answer any questions they have. It can pull the answers from our database. You know, we have hundreds of articles and then it will just suggest the articles for them. So super, super powerful. There's many ways you can use it for, but, but the, the real reason that I always recommend this to people is because if you are looking at the analytics or Google analytics for your website, you might notice, wow, a thousand people came to my site this month, but only five people contacted me. What happened to the rest of them? The 99%, where did they go? What questions do they have? What were they looking for? So the chatbots can really help with engagement. So like after 12 seconds on the page or after they scroll below a certain area, boom, the chatbot can pop up and say, how can I help you today? What are you looking for? And engagement goes up through the roof. Instead of five people contacting you a month, it might be like 50 to 100 now. It is amazing how powerful it is. So I want to close by asking you your thoughts on the future here. And a lot of this sounds very futuristic to people that are listening, and even to myself, who's a millennial. But what are you excited about going forward? How, how do you see things continuing to evolve? The future is going to hopefully help us save time in so many ways. You know, time is so valuable today. And everyone, we live like in the now economy. Everything just needs to be now, 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 instant gratification. Like Amazon now, Amazon Prime. It's not here in two hours. I'm freaking out. So the way I see it going is that AI and data and machine learning will help us save time. Let's say I want to get a mortgage. So I can just go in and link up all my information, my tax accounts, my you know IRS, bank accounts, and the click of a button, give them access, and they don't need anything from me. They don't need my documents. They don't need to talk to me. In just one click, they could access all the information they need, and their AI tool will pull credit checks and everything, everything, just pull everything automatically in one click, and it will just let me know I'm either approved, not approved, here's your rate, goodbye. Just so simple. You know, we need to simplify things because it's still, there's still a lot of old processes being done and some companies are still living like it's you know the early 2000s or late 1990s technology has evolved and the companies that are moving forward with that technology are going to win they're just going to win and dominate let's get my mind goes we we can still party like it's 1999 but we should not be using technology like it's 1999 correct so, <laughs> yes I, uh... exactly I really enjoyed this, David. Thank you so much for making the time. And uh, like I said, I'd, I'd love to have you back on soon and, and have you be kind of our uh, tech guru for the show. Anytime. Thank you so much again for having me. 
Ahead of today's release of the Consumer Price Index report for January, we learned yesterday that Americans have drastically reduced their expectations for household income growth. In the securities market, spreads tightened further, meaning mortgage-backed security prices rose more than treasury prices of corresponding durations. As the New York Fed survey of consumer expectations for January showed that, on the whole, there was little pullback in inflation expectations. In addition to today's CPI reading, the week ahead also contains the producer price index, housing starts and builder sentiment, retail sales, small business optimism, and leading economic indicators. During an interview last week, Fed Chairman Powell suggested that the economy could achieve the desired soft landing, citing January's robust jobs report as evidence. The strong job market shifted expectations that the Fed would pause the current tightening cycle with a 25 basis points rate hike in March as the implied probability for an additional 25 basis points hike in May is now at 74%. Many analysts firmly believe there will be no hint of easing rates until sometime in 2024. The elevated rate environment, slowed growth in consumer credit towards the end of last year, and revolving credit saw its smallest increase since August 2021 as demand waned. Real GDP growth for the first quarter is estimated at a modest 2.2%, and some analysts are forecasting minimal growth for the year. The aforementioned, all-important, January CPI is out. Inflation was up 0.5%, with core up 0.4% month-over-month, about as expected. Year-over-year readings were 6.4%, about as expected again, and core was up 5.6% for the year. Later this morning brings Redbook same-store sales, and remarks from four Fed presidents, Richmond's Barkin, Dallas's Logan, Philadelphia's Harker, and New York's Williams. After the inflation data, we begin the day with agency MBS prices better by an eighth to a quarter, and the 10-year yielding 3.68 after closing yesterday at 3.72%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. The motivational seminar is packed to the gills with people. The speaker starts off the event by asking for some audience participation. How many of you have sex once a day? Many people raise their hands. Okay, how many of you do it once a week? A few more raise their hands. Okay, how about once a month? A few more sheepishly raise their hands. Okay, how many of you have sex once a year? There's a little old guy in the front row jumping up and down and raising both hands. So the speaker asks, Sir, you only have sex once a year? To which the guy responds, Yes, and tonight's the night. (laughs) Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor the Stratmore Group, the data-driven mortgage advisory. At Stratmore, insights and knowledge are applied to guide mortgage clients to make sound strategic decisions and take actions that improve their success. To learn more, visit stratmoregroup.com. Questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities? Send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcasts from.